Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Riverbend Church. Good morning here in Gainesville to everybody who uh, made it in through the crazy winter again. We had spring a couple of weeks, or a few days ago. Now we got winter again. And so good morning to you guys. Oakwood, good morning to you. So glad that, uh, that you guys are with us today and everybody online. My name is Joe and I'm the pastor here. And if I didn't get to meet you today here in Gainesville, I'd love to meet you. I know Pastor Michael would love to meet you if he didn't on the way in today at Oakwood. And so uh, we are diving into week four of our series, Your Will, Not Mine. And so this series has led us through 21 days of fasting and prayer. Today is day 15. And if you don't think I'm counting, you better believe that I am. Six more days, six more days. I, you know, uh, one thing I've learned is I look back on this season and I go, God, I'm so glad I did that, Lord, it was good. But in the middle of it, you're like, whoo, come on now. It's, it's when you make a commitment of any kind to the Lord. I heard some people cutting out sugar, like y'all gonna need marriage counseling just because you cut out sugar. Uh, you're gonna have to go to counseling to get over it. It's crazy the things that, that we've said, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put aside something in my life that I like or love in order to get more of you and also that you may have more of me. And so here's the thing, next Sunday, we're calling it Breakthrough Sunday. We've got baptisms lined up, people that have gone from death to life over the last several weeks, and they're gonna make that profession in Jesus public through baptism next week. And so both here and at Oakwood, listen, if you haven't taken that next step of baptism, what a better day, what better day to do it than on Breakthrough Sunday, January 29th. And so all you need to do, let us know on your Connect card. You can go online and shoot me a message there. You can find the baptism info there, or you can catch one of our pastors or staff in the lobby on the way out and just say, hey, I want to talk about baptism, but we want to, we would love to celebrate that with you. Also, we'll be taking the Lord's Supper together in all our services, both campuses uh, next week. And so we're pressing on into this new year. Uh, and here's what we've said so far in this series, 2023, it will be my best year yet if I live it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just acknowledging God, not just saying, Lord, you know, I tip my hat to you, I do believe in you, but saying, God, I'm ready this year to align myself under your will for my life. What do you say? What do you want? Knowing that that's gonna be the most powerful and anointed year that we can ever have under his Lordship. And so um, our best year yet comes from the one who wants more and better for us than we even know how to want for ourselves. It really comes down to trusting in this prayer because this really is a prayer and a statement. Jesus, your will, not mine. God, I want your will for my life. And so what I wanna share today is what I'm gonna call four dangerous prayers for 2023. And they're prayers that I really believe that if you'll take this to heart today, you're gonna have an outline in your notes today in that bulletin there on the back, there's, if you take it, there's a note guide there. And I'd encourage you to use it. And here's why. This is going to become a private prayer session between you and God at some point this week, maybe even every day this week. And so when I wrote this, I started walking through it myself and it's been powerful. As I have prayed these prayers, the Lord has started doing some new work in me. And so it's kind of just me sharing my journal with you today. Um, but when I say dangerous prayers, there's automatically sort of a roadblock when I say I'm gonna ask you to do something dangerous. You know why? We have conditioned ourselves so much to stay away from danger. You think about, you know, Jeff, when we were kids, man, there's no helmets, no shoes, you jump on a bike, you go do what you want, man, do a backflip. Your mom's like, hey, try to stay alive. Play till dark, come home. 
But nowadays, it's like, you gotta have helmet, elbow pad. No, you, gotta, you can't take the training wheels off. And listen, I'm not knocking. I'm saying, I get it. I get it. Like, we have to, we have to be safe. But sometimes when it comes to God's kingdom, what you'll find out is our prayers are always like this. Lord, just keep us safe. Where are the prayers, God, call me out into something that I'm scared to death to do? Where are the prayers like, God, I'm so ready to have freedom and life transformation in my life that I refuse to stay safe with you. Of course, we want our kids to be safe and I wanna be safe, you know, wear my seatbelt too. But I'm just saying, there comes a point though where I'm like, God, call me into something so big that people are gonna think you're crazy. You're praying dangerous prayers. And so today I hope to convince you of some dangerous prayers that you can pray that literally can begin to call you out like Peter onto the water. You know, there's a story in the Bible, Peter, Jesus came walking on the water. Peter was in the boat. He was the only one that had the courage to say, Jesus, if it's you, call me out there. In the raging storm, he didn't say, Jesus, just keep us safe in the boat. He said, help me get out. And so he did, he stepped out and he walked on the water. And so we're gonna take this lesson today from a man who originally prayed dangerous prayers, a lot of them. And the reason that we know he prayed them is he gave us his journal. God allowed his journal to actually be inspired part of the word of God. And we call it the book of Psalms. But if you, know what, if you don't know what Psalms really is, it's the book, it's David's journal. King David is his name, a journal. He wrote the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. That's King David. Now here's what God had to say about David as a young man. God was telling the current king, Saul, he said, you know what, uh, because of your sin, you're not gonna be king anymore, but I want you to look at this descriptive statement about the guy that wrote this dangerous prayer. He says, Saul, your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man, and here it is, after his own heart, a man who has the heart of God, who has the desire like the heart of God. And so this is the only time in scripture where God says that. There's a man after my heart, a person after my heart, a person who wants to know me, love me, and live new life. Now, for sure, if you read about David, he also had a lot of sin. We know about that. But it's like his prayer life, if you see in his journal, he constantly put things right size. He brought himself back to God again and again through prayer. He prayed dangerous prayers. Do you know why David prayed dangerous prayers? Because I've read his journal several times called Psalms. I read his story. If you can find that first, second, first and second Samuel. But I looked at his story and he prayed dangerous prayers because that's where transformation happened. He prayed dangerous prayers because they called him to step out on faith and trust God for big things. He prayed dangerous prayers because they brought him into a deeper knowledge of God. He got to know God more and surrender to God more. And so today it's gonna to come from two short verses in one of the kind of his journal entries, Psalm 139. And here's what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Man, isn't this just powerful? Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. So if you just read through those words in your mind, you just prayed a dangerous prayer. Not that they endanger your life. Uh, actually, Chris, who's uh, over our tech, also one of our elders here, he brought it up when I, when I shared this message with the staff. He said, you know, it's kind of deceptive because you're saying it's dangerous prayers, but really it's prayers that are gonna actually lead you where you wanna go. They're not really that dangerous because they're actually good for you. But, but listen what I mean, why do I say they're dangerous prayers? When you pray this prayer, and I wanna break it down into four prayers, when you pray this prayer, they don't endanger your life, they endanger your pride. They don't endanger your life, they endanger your comfort. 
They endanger the status quo in your life. Do you know what else? They also endanger the secret sins that have been holding us back for a long time. That's where the danger comes in. They're dangerous to the enemy. The enemy that wants to strangle you and choke you back and pull you back and pull you back from God's best for you. They endanger the enemy. And so when I say they're dangerous prayers, they are dangerous prayers, not in the way of like they're gonna put your life in danger. They're gonna put your pride and comfort and our sin in danger of losing the battle. So I wanna go back through these four prayers here. David first said this. He said, God, search me and know my heart. So here's the first dangerous prayer, three little words. Search my heart. Search my heart, Lord. Psalms also tells us that we should be still and know that he is God. And when you put these two things together, that you're being still in the presence of God and you're praying a prayer and then you're listening. You're praying a prayer and you're not talking to God after that. You're saying one thing and then you're, search my heart. And then you just pause before the Lord and let him start speaking. You want to know if God speaks to you? I dare you to get alone, put distractions aside, get into a place, say these three words sincerely from your heart to the heart of God, and then listen. Listen to what the Lord may say to you or reveal to you. When David said, search my heart, what kind of search was he talking about? Well, this week, I told you a couple weeks ago, Courtney got me uh, AirPods for Christmas and I loved it because I listened to podcasts, you know, working out, you can tune things out a little better. But I had one in my ear and we were sitting in my truck and I'm not real good with them, like they fall out of my ear sometimes. It fell out of my ear down between the seats. So we get out of the truck, we go around, she's on her side, I'm, I'm digging, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere until I find this thing, I just got it. So we're digging all, I couldn't find it anywhere. I took everything out of the back seat, I let the seat back and forth. I mean, I'm looking everywhere and I cannot find, I'm searching, searching, searching. And so I'm like, it, it didn't fall out the door. Look under the truck where we opened the doors. And so I take my foam light and it starts shining all around down in between the seats. And I, all of a sudden I catch a glimpse of the little shiny piece, the little metal piece on the end, it was reflecting. It was about 18 inches down in this little uh, cylinder, plastic cylinder, right beside the seat belt. And so I, I looked up online how to get to that. You gotta take the driver's seat out and take the side of the center console off to get to it. <laughs> and so I called Aaron, I called Aaron Mulliken because he's got a bunch of tools and I was wondering if maybe he had like a little claw tool or something that I could, and he goes, no, but you may be able to get it with a magnet. So sure enough, I went and I got one of those telescoping magnets and I like fed it all the way down in there and I, it just happened to pull out, barely got it back out. So there, there it is. That's the second time I've dropped them in my truck and couldn't find them by the way. But that time was crazy. And so when I, when I thought David said, search my heart, I think he's talking about search like Joe was searching for his lost AirPod. He wasn't giving up on it. He was gonna go get the magnet. Listen, some of us, we need to let God take a telescope and magnet to our heart and go down in there and pull out some stuff that he hadn't dealt with in a long time. Come on. Get on down in there. God, listen, I'm good. I'm good, Lord. But no, no, no. Search me, God. Get the magnet out on me, God, and go down in there and see if there's anything you need to pull up that we hadn't talked about in a while. Something you wanna set me free from that I haven't been free from. Let me give you a question to help you reframe this search here. What is going on inside me even if it doesn't make it outside me, that's hurting my relationship with God or hurting your relationship with your spouse or your friends or the people around you. What's going on inside? 
And here's the argument. Just because it's, once it starts going on inside of you, eventually it will make it outside of you. I, would, I should have said that hadn't made it outside of me yet. That it's hurting my relationship with God. Because think about it. Where, where, does, where does sin start? It starts in our heart, doesn't it? It doesn't always come out in our hands and our feet and our words. It starts in the heart, lust. Lust hides in the heart. Sin starts in the heart and it also hides in the heart. Lust will hide in the heart. And see, God doesn't want us just to look good on the outside. He wants to deal with that inner hurt and that inner pain that's inside of us and that inner sin battle that's there. He wants to help us in that struggle. Anger hides in the heart. You can smile and tell everybody else everything is okay. Nothing, nothing, man, I'm fine today. I'm having a good day. And you can be raging inside. Rage hides in the heart. Unforgiveness hides in the heart. And I'm not saying this is sin, but we know this to be true. Past hurt and trauma can also hide in the heart and be impacting your your entire life right now. And so Jesus was serious about what was going on inside of your heart. Look, Look what he says. A person who produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, uh, treasury of a good heart, and a person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Treasury is like overflow, overflow of my heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, Jesus just dropped a bomb here. What he says is if things are making it out of your mouth, then there's something deeper to them. Because you know, sometimes people say things and they say, well, I didn't mean what I said. I'm not saying we don't misspeak sometimes, but if it's a repetitive thing, something that just keeps going, it's not just a misspeak. There's something in the heart. And I'm not saying we should point the fingers at everybody else. You know where we need to point to first? Right here, this guy. If there's something that keeps coming out of my mouth that's dishonoring God, maybe unholy language, maybe hating on people, maybe cutting people down, Eventually, you've got to turn the gun and go, you know what? It's not, just, it's not just how I was raised. It's not just me misspeaking. I got some heart issues that I need God to deal with. Do you know what? Sin doesn't hide in the living room and kitchen of our hearts either. It hides in the unfinished basement and the dark closets. You know why? I, won't, I don't want it to be exposed. And so this is a dangerous prayer. Lord, search my heart. You know why? It's dangerous because you let the Holy Spirit in and he's gonna start working on you. He's gonna start bringing conviction you haven't felt in a while. He's gonna call you to confession and repentance and maybe even call us to freedom. So it's a transforming prayer, especially when we act on it. So I dare you to uh, pray this prayer this week. If your pastor can dare you and that's okay, I dare you to get before the Lord in a quiet place for a few minutes and go, God, search my heart, search my heart. Now, here's the thing. Once you do that, the Spirit of God won't force you to change. He invites you to change. He gives you the power and authority you need to change, but he never, ever forces you. Why? Because he invites us. You know, this is, this is how the Holy Spirit works on us too. We pray this prayer, God begins to reveal things, and then he allows us to walk and leave the old us behind and step into the new you. It's a little bit at the time. God knows we can't handle it all at one time. He gives us his spirit immediately. There's a new me living inside of me because his spirit is there. But now I've got to walk that out every day. And sometimes you feel like you went backwards, not forward some days. But you get back up again and you walk forward again and go, God, keep searching my heart. Here's the second prayer. Test my mind. Test my mind. Now, 
there's a lot that I don't like about this prayer. I actually have become more comfortable with Lord search my heart than test my mind. Two reasons. One, the mind is where a lot of crazy stuff goes on. I know none of y'all think crazy thoughts and you don't have bad soundtracks in your head sometimes about yourself or about the world around you or about your past or about your regret. But listen, sometimes that beats me up and I don't know if I wanna let God in on what's going on in my mind, even though he's already there. But also to say, Lord, test my mind. There's already so many mental health struggles. The enemy right now, I really believe this, it is a, it, it is one of the tactics of the enemy, demonic attack over the minds of God's people. It's fine, your heart can belong to God, but it's almost like, don't give him your mind though. Don't let the Lord in your mind, because Lord forbid he may come in and start wanting to heal that and rewire some things and ask you to change some things and get some counseling and deal with some of the things that have been, that you've been, your wrong thought patterns you've been dealing with. But see, David's prayer here gets to the root of the mental struggle. Look what he says, Lord, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He gets very specific. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Do you know why this is a hard prayer? Because you're asking God to test you. Nobody I know loves to think about that idea. God, will you just test my mind today? Come on, Lord, bring your test. I saw a meme and it, it, it made me think about it. Some of you felt like this this last year. Me calling God to make sure I'm not on his strongest warriors list again in 2023. <laughs> I saw it this week because some people told me when we're going into this fast and new year, they were like, listen, Joe, 2022, God tested me plenty. I'm not praying this. I'll pray search my heart, but I'm gonna skip to the third prayer because I'm not praying that one. Test me, Lord. But look what he was praying though. He was praying about anxious thoughts, worries. You know what that gets at? That gets at places in our lives where we're not trusting God. So here's the question. What worry have I made bigger than God in my life? King David had plenty to worry about. You go read his story, here's what you'll find out. He lived at war almost his entire life. He lived at war. Either somebody was gonna attack him or he had to go attack somebody. When he was a young man, God anointed him to be the king and then for 15 years, he pretty much was on the run from the current king, King Saul, running for his life. He lived on the run for that long and he'd had actually done nothing wrong. This guy was an evil guy that was just after him. At the end of David's life, one of his sons uh, tried basically threw a coup and tried to overtake the kingdom. And so even at the end of his life, it ended in total chaos and war. And so David constantly had reason to worry. And yet here he says, Lord, will you test my anxious thoughts? Show me where I'm not trusting you. God, where have I made my worries bigger than my God? See, this is the crazy thing. We trust that we have a God who that when we die, and our body is here and our spirit is gone. We trust that he's gonna take us to heaven, but we don't trust that he's bigger than whatever we're worried about currently many times, do we? God, I know you're gonna take me to heaven when I die, but do you really care about my day to day? And he does. See, this dangerous prayer invites the Holy Spirit to search our minds and point out, where am I not trusting you, God? That's what David was getting at. God, I'm probably overlooking some things. Where am I not trusting you? Remember what Paul said about worry? Philippians 4, he said this, don't worry about anything. And that statement always ticks me off because I love it. Don't you just love it when you're really stressed out and people say, hey, don't worry. You just want to go like give them a little smack real quick. It means nothing, right? It's empty words. Don't worry. Hey, hon, don't worry about that. You know, that makes no sense. But here's what happens. Uh, Paul gives us what to do here. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need. It's okay. God welcomes our prayers. We've used this in our prayer service. God welcomes our prayers. He wants you to tell him your needs. So when we say I'm praying your will, not mine, that doesn't mean that I can't pour my desires out to the Lord. He, he welcomes that. It says, tell God what you need, but then also here's part of our prayer life. Thank him for what he has done. And by the way, gratitude in prayer time will change your day completely. Another challenge I'll give to you, it's not part of the dangerous prayers, another challenge I'll give to you, start your journal or start your prayer time with as many good things from your past as you can remember that God has done for you. Before you worry about the worries of the day, thank God for everything he's already done. I kind of like to do this backwards. First, thank God and then tell him what I need because he gets my mindset right a lot of times. It says that then you're gonna experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And this is, I love this verse because it's in the midst of anxiety. It doesn't say he has to remove what we're anxious about. We don't have to be healed from our anxiety to find his peace. Right in the middle of it, he can speak peace right over you right in that moment. And sure, you may have to go out and keep working on whatever's making you anxious and get to the root of it and dig down and get some help and get a prayer counselor and get some friends around you. But, but the truth is God can speak peace that is separated from circumstances. And it says his peace is gonna guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let me give you in short what Paul was saying here. If you will let worry prompt you to prayer, you'll find peace there. If you'll let worry be your prompt to prayer, what do we usually do when we worry? Where well, we start thinking about more things that could go wrong and we, we just fixate on it. So one of the rewiring our brains thing that I think David had learned to do and God wants us to do, every time we feel worry, let that prompt us to pray to the God who can change it. One of the things that I've started to do over the years, I've done this several times, when I find myself really stressed and worried, whether it's about family, ministry, Sometimes the agenda just seems so long, like, God, how am I gonna get everything done? And you start worry. Worry just builds up. Anxiety can come from that. But I'll make a list. Sit down and make a list of everything you're worried about. One thing I've learned, it's usually not as long of a list as I thought it would be. I thought I could fill up a page, and really it's like three or four things, maybe five or six things at the most. So I, I write down what I'm worried about, and then I look at the things that would never happen. Look at the things and go, you know what, that... That's never happened to me before. It's probably never gonna happen to me. And so I just gotta give that to the Lord. And then look at what you have left on the list. Circle the things on my list is what I do. I circle the things that I have control over. God has given me some authority and control in my life. The things I'm worried about that I can do something about, I'm gonna prepare for that. I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna work towards eliminating that worry by being prepared. And then there's another thing on the list. There are things that are out of your control. It's not that they're not important, like sometimes, you know, when, when, you know, am I going to get in a car wreck? Is something going to happen to me? That's out of my control. I can be safe and I can be wise, but there's so many things out of my control. You know what you have to do with those? Trust those to the Lord that loves you more than you know how to love yourself. And then you can move on with your day sometimes with a handful of things that you can do something about. Let me give you the third dangerous prayer here. Here it is. Reveal, I'm gonna tell you what, the first two, everybody's gonna be okay with these. This one right here, I hate, I honestly sometimes in my flesh, I hate this one. Reveal my sinful actions. Mm. Because here, here, here's what David said. Here's how it translates out. Look, look what he said. Point out anything in me that offends you. That's a strong prayer. Get quiet before the Lord and go, God, will you point out anything in me that offends you? 
I really believe that this may be one of the keys to revival in the church. And by revival, I mean us being fully experienced of the Holy Spirit, completely filled with his spirit, completely led by his spirit. I believe that prayer. Point out anything in me that offends you. An older translation of this says, Lord, show me my evil ways. That's where I get the deeds, the action pieces, looking at the, the language here. Lord, reveal my sinful actions. I don't think David was praying about a sin that he was aware of. I don't think he was currently living in, you know, sexual sin or living with unforgiveness openly and just saying, God, will you just show me? I don't think it was a blind eye like that. I think David had already confessed. He wasn't coming to the Lord playing dumb. I think what he was saying is, God, is there any sin that I'm not aware of in my life? See, what if there's something holding you back in your prayer life and you don't even realize it anymore? Let me give you a question to help you think about this prayer. Do I have a sin blind spot in my life? You know, when you're driving down the road and you're gonna pass or you're gonna, you know, on the interstate, if you're changing lanes, every vehicle has some sort of blind spot. Even with the cameras and all the technology and the blind spot mirrors, it seems that there are still, uh, still some blind spots as far as where we can't see and you just can't see everything around. And so, the deal with blind spots is you can't know that they're there by looking. You just have to assume that they're there. I just assume they're there. And I thought about this. We would be better spouses, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ and neighbors if we started with the assumption that I probably have a blind spot that I'm not aware of in my life. Think about that for a minute. What if you and I just decided every morning we woke up before the Lord God... I know that I think I'm doing pretty good today and I, I'm not gonna live in the glooms today, but I will say this, God, I probably have a sin blind spot. Will you, will you reveal that to me? I need God and I need others to help me at times. So many relationships are separated out. So many families are torn apart because of sin blind spots and people unwilling to pray this prayer. God, do I have a blind spot? Lord, search me and reveal my sinful actions. So what are blind spots? You know the first thing that blind spots, blind spots are? There are things that you are ignorant to. You just don't know it. You don't know that God's word says you shouldn't do that. You don't know that God's word says you should be doing something. And so you're just living in a way, maybe hurting yourself and hurting, hurting others and don't realize it. And so this is where we have to get so intentional about opening God's word and saying, God, I'm not coming to your word with my own thoughts. I'm coming to your word to let it speak to me. You speak truth into me. Also, you can ask a trusted friend, and I get that this is hard because it has to be somebody that you know loves you and they don't have an agenda. You cannot ask somebody that has an agenda in your life uh, to this question, do I have a blind spot? But you need somebody. If you really wanna step into all God has for you in 2023, you need a brother, a sister, somebody who cares for you enough and you know they don't have an agenda. They actually just want good for me and get in a quiet place with them and just go, listen, you see my life. You kind of see my behind the scenes a little bit. Is there any blind spots that you see that I may not be aware of? Now, you gotta be careful because that is a painful question, right? That's why there has to be trust. There has to be love between the people. And you could go to a counselor and that may not be a bad thing if you tell them your story and go, hey, do you see any blind spots? What am I missing here? And that's a question that I've asked my counselor before. Is there, what, what am I missing here? 
But the second thing, it's not things you're ignorant to, it's things that you become callous to. That's a blind spot. And what I mean by that, you used to feel the pain of sting of conviction when you sinned against God in that area. But then over time, you just kept pushing the Holy Spirit off, pushing it off, saying, God, I'm good, I'm good. And then eventually, even though the Lord wants to convict you and free you of something, it's become sort of a pet that you're just callous to. You don't, you don't feel the sting anymore. And so we have to get to a point where we're going, I'm not looking to social media or what's popular to get fed because I may be calloused. I need to go back to God and say, God, what do you say? I need people who love me and I need to be humble enough to lay down my pride and let somebody in and say, hey, what, what have I become callous to in my life? I really believe that can lead to a lot of transformation. You need to be careful. Let the spirit lead you if that's a person. But you know, if you're married in the room, Maybe a question for your spouse. And again, you gotta have trust and love. Y'all are supposed to be for each other, working on your marriage all the time. And so it may be a good question to ask in the right situation. But see, we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit and someone who loves us to lay aside pride and listen. So why in the world would we go through dangerous prayers like this? Why? Because it's the path to freedom, that's why. Sometimes sin can even limit our prayers. Did you know that? specifically in how we treat the people around us if our sin is overflowing to people around us. First Peter, Peter was talking about husband and wife relationships and here's what he said, I'll read it to you, but here's what he was saying. He was saying, sometimes husbands, you're praying and God's not working in your prayers because of how you're treating your spouse. Look at this. He said, you should treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Isn't that crazy thought? That God cares so much about how you treat the people around you, about whether there's blind spots and calluses, whether you're ignorant of some things you need to be doing. And it doesn't have to just be your spouse. I think it could be anybody in your circle. Maybe God's, your prayers are being hindered because of how you've been treating the people around you and you need help. Show me, you need to pray the prayer with David. God, show me, point it out. I wanna be holy. Here's the last prayer though. The last piece of this, and piece it's really simple. Lead me to new life. Lead me to new life. Look, look, what, look what David said here. He said, lead me along the path to everlasting life. And he wrote this before Jesus walked on the earth, before he went to the cross, before he ascended, before he poured out the spirit and really the church age was burst. This was before that. So everlasting life would have been understood as a path in this world that was gonna lead you to be with Jesus forever, lead you to be with God forever. Everlasting life for us though, we know it doesn't start in heaven. It starts the moment we surrender ourselves to Christ. That's where new life begins. So to pray a prayer like this, it's not just the Lord lead me to heaven one day. It's a God, I know that you wanna transform my life on this earth before I ever get to heaven. You may wanna change some of how I'm speaking, change what's going on in my heart and in my mind and in my relationships and in my actions. I know you wanna change that, Jesus. And so, Lord, will you lead me to new life? And see, we can't pray a prayer like that unless we're willing to put our feet in it. Unless we're willing to put our shoes on and say, God, I don't wanna be so prideful to think that I've got it all figured out. Lord, I don't. Here's what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, or another way to think about that. The old life is passing away and the new life has begun. You ever thought about this? God wants you to live new life. Probably for every single one of us, there's an old habit or an old tendency, or there's some trauma in your past, there's some pain from how you were raised or something you've been through. 
and you're just assuming that it's just how you gotta live the rest of your life. I look at the scripture, I believe God wants to make you new. But I don't think you can find the newness without praying these other prayers. God, search me, test me, reveal my sin to me, and Lord, lead me into new life. See, it's still a choice to follow the leading once we pray for leading. We have to say, God, I'm gonna put my yes on the table. Just like Isaiah. I'm not gonna wait until you tell me what I'm supposed to do, Lord. I'm gonna put my yes on the table now. So can I give you a question here? Oakwood, can I give you this question this morning? Where is Jesus calling you to leave some old me behind and live new life? What is the area that you've still been holding back from God? And listen, I know I'm harping on this because the Lord just goes, Cho, take it back to him again. Take it back to him again. There's still some people that haven't got freedom that God wants them to give. God wants them to get. And maybe the freedom hasn't come because you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you know that he's calling you today. Listen, there is a God that loves you in spite of everything you've ever done. He loves you. He desires to give you new life. He doesn't want you to have to live with the pain of loneliness separated from him anymore. You don't have to get your act together. You don't have to change yourself to come to him. All you need to do is surrender to him. And maybe new life can start for you today. But what area of your life have you been holding back on the Lord? And during this 21 days, my prayer has been, God, search our hearts and our minds and reveal our sin and help us confess and repent. Lead us to new life. When we get on the other side of January, may we be walking in more new life than we ever have before. The new life me, the anointed me, the as God intended me to be version of me. I wrote this in my journal at some point. And I didn't write it for you. I wouldn't think about a message when I wrote it. I was writing it to me. But here's what I wrote. Many times the only thing standing between you, and that was Joe, between you, Joe, and your best year yet is the decision to act on what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. Will you bow with me across the room, Oakwood? I want you to stay with me, bow with me. If you lose focus when you bow your head, you can just keep looking at me right now because we're not done yet. So I want you to hang with me. Hang with me right here. What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do, but you've been pushing back against it? What area of surrender or what prayer of search me, reveal it, Lord? What confession prayer do you need to pray? Where is God calling you to act, but you've been holding back? And listen, today is the day. Maybe for you, it's time to surrender your life to Jesus. Oakwood, maybe it's time. Your God brought you right there where you are to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today because that is the next step. And maybe you already know that you've got wrong and you need to be forgiven, but you want to experience his new life. Listen, if you're here in Gainesville, if you're there in Oakwood, I want you to pray this prayer. If that's you and you go, Joe, I'm ready to experience new life. Pray it from your heart to the heart of God. Just say this, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I'm asking you to save me and forgive me and give me new life that you promise. Just tell him, say, you're my Lord. I'm gonna let you be the boss in my life, the best I know how from this day forward. I'm ready to follow you. And then just tell him, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. 
Amen. Listen, if that was you, I want you real quick before we move forward, just raise your hand. If that was you today and you said, Joe, that was me. I just did that. Thank you. Anybody else here? You say, come on, Joe, I, I, I did that. Just thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Praise you, Jesus. Awesome. Listen, for you guys, I, I would love to celebrate with you. Oakwood, we'd love to celebrate. Pastor Michael Wood, if you surrendered your life today. But here's what I want for the rest of us. We're gonna turn this into just a prayer session down in the front here and at Oakwood too. And so I don't want you to feel like you got to hold back today. If the Spirit has prompted you on something, I wanna ask you to let a prayer begin the rest of your week. And what I mean by that, come to a place. If you're physically able, you can come sit on the front, you can come kneel at the front and begin to pray about the things that the Lord wants to bring new life to you in, in these areas. I wanna pray for you and I'm gonna invite you to respond. So Jesus, Thank you for salvation today. Thank you for these dangerous prayers that endanger our pride and our sin and our old selves. And God, I'm asking you even now, Lord, help us respond in obedience to you today. Lord, reveal it that we may forsake it, confess it in Jesus' name. Will you stand together everywhere? Oakwood, stand. Come on down as the band leads us this morning. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.